Dear Mr. or Mrs. Listener, we accept the fact that you're going to sacrifice a whole hour to listen to this podcast, but we think you are crazy. In the simplest terms, you see us as you want to see us. A Ninja Turtle, a Jedi, a Redhead, a Mike. Sincerely yours, Redhead Family Therapy Guy, and a Mike. Don't you forget about the bugger. All right. Well, we're back for another one. Thanks so much for being with us. Um, you've found us again, the Redhead Family Therapy Guy. And a Mike. I'm uh I'm John. And I'm Michael. And I can't imagine, well, if you're not watching our video, which not many people do, <laughs> you would see Michael's incredible setup for Ghostbusters. That's yes. a Lego Ghostbuster car, right? This is, it's a Lego Ecto-1. It actually came out for the Afterlife uh, movie. And so it came with stickers of like rust you could put on, but I just left it off because I wanted it to look all natural. I wanted it to look like original Ghostbusters. And the the old school hearse in Ghostbusters, even when I watched it the other night, was like still one of like my most favorite things oh yeah this, you know what i mean like yep it's actually a so cool cadillac and... isn't that cool it's a, a a cadillac um that was used in the original movie and they like souped up the engine and and all types of stuff that's so awesome the, the uh, thing about ghostbusters too is it was just like oozing with nostalgia for me because oh, i've watched yeah. ghostbusters a lot like i've watched it a lot it's amazing the cast they got together for ghostbusters everyone played a part that was really just amazing and i think that's what has made it so endearing and enduring um throughout the years but yeah it's very nostalgic to my childhood oh he is amazing he's such a great actor i I still respect that he retired to like be a family man but yes we lost a good one he's such a great actor amazing in this i mean he's good in 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 anything he's that oh come on you know what movie my kids absolutely fell in love with was the little shop of horrors movie like they all like went bonkers <laughs> for that they love that movie i grew up watching honey shrunk the kids a ton um but yeah we could we should do little shop of horrors but he was amazing in this i love his oh, character so uh, lewis and and just <laughs> so good. just the I way he plays scene, this nerdy the scene, dude, desiring the scene, kind the scene guy when they bring him back to home base and he's just like there oh. and they're like studying him like all of the interactive dialogue is so funny he's like yes be so awesome to talk to him and just find out like how much was of that was just like impromptu like improv i bet they're improv just Oh, yeah yeah they were just like <laughs> yes have some <laughs> i love it and then i have always loved uh venkman so peter venkman mm-hmm. for for me was always awesome for some reason as a kid i loved the beginning when they're in well it's not necessarily the beginning but towards the beginning of the movie when they're at the hotel mm-hmm. and peter venkman uh runs into slimer and get slimed that for me that scene i don't know why i have no idea why has always stuck in my mind like and that's why i have my slimer oh, oh. here on the table he slimed me 
Yes, I've always and I've always loved Slimer for some reason. And he doesn't he was like the sidekick have, in the cartoons. Yeah. He was, yeah, the real Ghostbusters yeah. cartoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was told he was like a sidekick. Um yeah, the the movie is so it's just so good, man. Like Dan Aykroyd, like Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray and Raymond, like they're just it's such a great they should have done more movies together, man like other movies they should have kept working they shouldn't have had that fallout because they're just so yeah harold ramus and uh bill murray harold ramus is interesting like he he really started doing a lot more i mean it seems like he always had behind the scenes Mm -hmm. roles in the movies but started doing a lot more and and he really i mean he's good as an actor but yeah but i mean it i think well the the dynamic the dynamic the way that they complement each other as characters in that story yeah. is just so cool. <laughs> I mean, just that that they're just in these different spectrums of of personality. Yes, you know what I mean. Is this like the the <laughs> like Dan Aykroyd's like like historical rants on like random ghost facts or whatever, which is just kind of him right in real life too. Like if you <laughs> oh, ever watch real? his, his stuff on uh, uh, UFOs, his sci-fi stuff, oh, I don't think his I ghost stuff, that. he, <clears throat> he's totally just that way in like real he's life. A legit, like, like a uh, supernatural hardcore. nerd. Yeah. He's hardcore. Cool. And it's fun to watch some of his stuff. He's done some UFO like shows. documentaries or something yeah yeah and he he's talked uh about I, I i remember seeing one thing with him where he was talking about kind of his the history of his family and how his family has some tie-ins to to kind of just i don't remember if it was like conspiracy type stuff or if it was just tie-ins to always um being attuned to like extra uh, yeah extraterrestrial activity type stuff i can't remember what exactly it was but he yeah he is like that in real life which is really cool that he's able to personify that in this movie i've got i've got um sci-fi on the brain because i went last night and saw a moon falling with sarah and it wasn't a particular i mean it was i mean it was what it was right like i wasn't expecting or uh-huh. you know hoping for it to be some great like sci-fi movie but the 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 story like the the theory uh that comes out of what's going on with the moon is really interesting and cool i've not heard of it who's uh, just uh like uh halle berry i forget the male lead um the guy from ant-man the latino guy that's hilarious and let and and ant-man is in it man i can't Um, remember and uh i can't remember the guy that was the main actor he's been in some some decent stuff i liked him but i mean the story just had kind of like crazy holes and it was kind of ridiculous but, <laughs> but um but it was the like but what was going on with the moon was really really interesting and cool like i really liked the idea that they came up with that but i but anyway any, so any sci-fi I'm, I'm, all right so I'm, this movie um ghostbusters is so much fun to watch and there's so much great humor but now watching it as an adult and then of course knowing that we're going to like be philosophical or look for themes or whatever like holy crap it really was a fantastic like uh like i had such an awakening of a view 
of what's going on uh, with the characters and and the development of the storyline. So 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 I don't I don't know where you want to go with it first. I don't know if you want to talk about the parts that they're just hilarious and we love and super nostalgic, or to dump to jump into the meaning stuff. Why why don't you why don't we start with just the fun stuff? Like what's one of the most fun moment moments for you from the Ghostbusters? So movie? I really like Peter Venkman or Dr. Venkman, I think just throughout the movie just makes me crack up. Mm -hmm. um, and then, and then Lois, I, I mean, <clears throat> Lewis, sorry. Lewis is, oh man, he's just so good. Um, and so I think pretty much any scene, <clears throat> excuse me, any scene with uh, Lewis, cause he's not in it a ton right he's he's in it at his party um and then he's in it as he becomes <laughs> but i think the beginning hey, when hey, dr Bankman is with uh sigourney weaver i can't remember her character's name in know. their apartment just that whole scene where, where he he's comes like out of the bedroom or he you. goes to the bedroom and she's like uh, nothing <laughs> There's not much in there. What does she <laughs> nothing, say? She, nothing happens in there. Nothing yeah. happened in there. <laughs> <laughs> just his witty remarks that he has, which are so Bill. Murray. He was so he, the thing that was funny though, like, I mean, it's a great scene and, and it's, it's, it, he's so endearing and being kind of, uh, you know, womanizing or attempting to be womanized like he is. Um, but, but he's, it was also a little creepy because he's like, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and she's like, okay, get out. <laughs> I think, um, I think probably one of my favorite scenes, and I'm not sure why this is the case, but one of my favorite scenes is at the end when the, uh, Ozer, what is her name? The, Gozer? Is it Gozer? The lady is is uh, telling them essentially they have to think of uh, who they're gonna gonna battle or whatever, and 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 they're like, okay, don't think of anyone, <laughs> and then Ray stares. <laughs> he just has this look on his face because <laughs> they hear off the distance. We used to sit noise. around by the fire. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I love it. I love that he thinks of. Uh, marshmallows and the also you have this, you have this huge you, day <laughs> did you notice uh I, I didn't notice this before but the she has like a bag of stay puff marshmallows next to the eggs that like jump off the counter and like explode oh the, i don't think the, I yeah there's like a there's that. like a bag sitting there i'm like oh look, there it is I'm like that, that is awesome and it's like sitting like right like so you could be like stay puff and it's like you know <laughs> the guy's like on it i love it and i think i have a question so oh, hold think, on. Oh, God. I think from that scene, I've thought kind of as a kid, and, and then I was thinking again as an adult, what would you think of oh, gosh. when if you were if you're posed with that? You know, they were trying not to think of anything. And he Ray automatically thought of something that well, he thought would, be, would not be hard or dangerous yeah, or scary. <laughs> As a kid, we just roasted them. You've got these plasma guns. So and so what 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 would you That's think off. of? No idea. I I always and I so don't like if I was if I was Ray and gonna think of something that I could defeat. Yeah. Oh gosh. Jesus. 
I've always thought of, and I don't think this is a good one because it, you know, they would probably kill me, but I've always thought of wicket. I've always thought how awesome would it be to see a huge wicket? No, I don't. What? You don't know who wicket is. I don't think so. No. What is that? No. What is a wicket? So, it sounds Wicked. like, is that something that you use in like lacrosse? What is that? Wicket is the name of the Ewok from episode six, uh, Return of the Jedi, where uh, he's the one that helps Leia, befriends Leia. Uh, he's the, I guess, friendly Ewok, although they don't they, really they appear humans. to be that friendly. They're like, they're but like I humans. I always, so I as a kid... Those- I had an Ewok stuffed animal when They're I was like a kid. Savages, dude. And I've always thought, oh, I would have Wicket. But but the point is, it doesn't matter what you have because they're going to be this ginormous thing trying to kill or it. just something that's super powerful. <laughs> I, I don't thought, know. I always thought Wicket looked so fluffy and soft. And how I about just... Winnie the Pooh? <laughs> sure. <laughs> or Eeyore. <laughs> Winnie the Pooh with his, he'd have a honey pot and just drop it. Slowly. Ah, you stole honey eyes the, <laughs> honey eyes the the city. But I always, I, I don't know why. I love that scene. It just is so funny, and I love Ray Ray's reaction in that scene. It's just so genuine. Yeah, like he's like, so genuine and childlike. Like what? I, I was just trying to help. I couldn't what, help what, myself. What? What would be easy? And then, and then there's this huge marshmallow man. Ah. And then I love, I always loved when they destroy Gozer or whatever by crossing their streams, right? Which they're not supposed to do because it would cause yes. the end of the world, which I love when Egon earlier kind of mentions that in the movie, like, oh yeah, just a side don't, note, don't cross don't, your streams. I know the description <laughs> that Dan Aykroyd makes or, or whatever, or is it Egon? That's like all of, imagine all of the particles in your body stopping and reversing course or something like that. <laughs> and Dan Aykroyd's like, yeah, that'd be bad. Yeah. yeah I am. Um, <clears throat> the part of the movie that I loved um, that I realized that I loved, but also realized because it was 84, right? So that's quite young mm-hmm. um, still. And I, I remember that this movie was a really, I think, important movie because it was like, especially the opening scene, like was scary, right? Like yeah. for my eight-year-old or nine, I don't know how, old, like it's scary. It's like in the library, you know, and libraries are kind of creepy or yeah. they can be and there's all this the, mysterious knowledge. The ghost you know? is scary though. Yeah. Like, the, and the gore, become, the go- when she like yeah. freaks out is yeah. scary. And so like that whole scene and there's like the music and it's like, yeah. And so like the fact that the movie like scared me and I had had a really um, bad experience with a, a horror movie in my young age that like, I don't like, like, I don't like, I don't like that genre. That's not my gig. What my brother was did. this Freddy Krueger. I saw oh, it really young. <laughs> I saw it really young and I, dude, I had nightmares no, no. for like a yeah. month like a month like like terror like terror nightmares for a month because of that movie i don't know what my yeah. parents were thinking when they watched that movie what movie is freddy the krueger freddy krueger in is it friday the 13th or is that Jason? no no it's no it's freddy krueger it's just freddy krueger nightmare so. on elm street nightmare That's on elm it. street sorry thank yeah you. yeah nightmare on elm street yeah that yeah, like my family the is the same thing. way they love 
I don't. Uh, scary, and I I'm I'm not a scary like especially like, if it's like demonic like that. I, yeah, I, it's freaky I like, in your dreams, and <laughs> I like thrillers, sure, but I don't like horror. Like when because I think there's just a part of like the indiscriminate killing of what you could say about action movies too so i guess that's bad logic but but yeah i don't know it's just the demonic aspect even you know before i was a person of faith it's just like i don't know like it just it really messed me up as a yeah. kid i mean really bad like so you I were mean, traumatized sitting I watching this library ghost so well i would just out. brought that up right like it's like <laughs> i'm older now a little bit older or whatever but so then because it was a fun movie like it demystified that a little bit yeah. and i think it empowered me to not be as afraid because it took this scary thing and made it comedic, you know yeah. what I mean? And so I think it empowered me. And so, but I was very much in that opening scene. Like I was in touch with like, uh, you know, the part of me that felt that like, yeah. Uh, and I love the way that it opens the way that it introduces you to the characters, um, through those, op you know, through that opening scene at the library, because uh, you know you jump right into Bill Murray like <laughs> as this absolute like uh, charlatan of a researcher, uh -huh. you know what I mean? Where he's got this one guy that's like legitimately has like uh, ESP. Yeah, he's and, getting like, him all, but he doesn't right. even care because he wants to like hook <laughs> up with this chick. Because <laughs> there's this girl that he wants to like <laughs> shag or whatever, and so he's like enjoying, you know, shocking the the nerdy guy, and the nerdy guy like like shocks the gum out of his mouth. <laughs> it's so good, and he's just so blatant and just so heartless it's like he's like totally bullying a nerd you know what i mean and so he's just so like it's it's amazing how he's all of these low like loathsome like loathful things but you still just love bill murray i don't know how he does yeah, it i don't know, I don't how, know it how it is he does it either. that he can really be kind of creepy and horribly inappropriate but it's fantastic yeah like, he seems so... to win you over every yeah, time yeah it's just because it's like he's playful about it and it's almost like he doesn't mean it i mean here he is bullying a nerd so he can like get with this girl or whatever and it, but it's still like playful i don't know it's just so <laughs> it's so it's like magical that he has this ability to play this two things against each other so i so it's interesting so um so i love that whole opening sequence and then going yeah. there and then going <laughs> going to the to the library it's okay so they're interviewing the girl the the lady that had the encounter with the ghost and she's also too like from poltergeist right like so she's from poltergeist isn't that the the lady from poltergeist i can't remember i, I can't I think remember who, who they interviewed Yes, this is old, the old lady that saw the, the ghost, right? And I love how he's like, you know, he's trying to assess, which they clearly have to do when they're doing ghost stuff is like, are, are they crazy people, right? Because a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. And he's like, he's like, um, did you, are, are you menstruating? And the, <laughs> and the, library, the librarian guy's like, what does that have to do with anything? He's like, hey, man, back off. I'm a scientist. It's <laughs> so funny. Oh my gosh. I was dying. I was so funny. He's like, <laughs> back off. <laughs> and so like, and then they, and then of course, then just going into, and like there's, there's slime and ooze everywhere and the, you know, the bookshelf falling. And then, and then they're like, there's the ghost. And he's all like, go talk to her. <laughs> and like, he's like, and she's all like, 
Uh-huh. Like the, the whole bit is just fantastic. It's so funny. Like they're like, well, what do you do? And then he's like, get her. <laughs> I love it. I love how they so have funny. like I always loved the proton packs. I always thought that was the most amazing thing. But I love how they just destroy everything. And at some point, you have to wonder. We came, we saw. (laughs) How much destruction is the ghost actually doing? Like, how much is it actually disturbing? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I love, like, when they're trying to decide what to bill the hotel for after they catch the Slimer. And, like, I didn't notice it as a kid, but Egon's like. Yeah, he's he's like, but nothing. And then he's all like, and then this, and he's all like. Yeah, he flashes the numbers up by his face. <laughs> so funny. Because he's like, he's the ones like knows what budget they've got to cover. And Bill Murray's just like this, you know, like snake oil salesman, you know, or whatever. So it's well, now oh, it's such a count. I was thinking about what you were saying too um earlier. I remember this watching this as a kid, but I would have been really young when it came out. Yeah, dude. But then I was thinking that back then. I remember movies would be in the theater and they could be in the theater for like a year or longer, but then they wouldn't come out for years. Like it could take a couple years. So, so even though a movie came out in like 84, I, you know, it may have still been kind of new, right? You think about movies now, they literally are out to buy before they're even out of the theaters. Mm -hmm. Back when we were kids, it could take years for them to come out. And they were still yeah. new because they were just coming out to. Because how exciting was it when they would put one on? Or put TV. them on TV, yeah. That's what oh, I was so feel. exciting, and you would like be taping it and pause them. Well, back then it was too expensive on the commuters to, to yeah. have. I mean, I don't even know if you could really buy. I, I can't remember. No, they were the super first expensive, VHS right? Because that's we bought or, or Betamax. Yeah, it was so expensive. Yeah, remember... that's why you rented at the video store because yeah. you could rent for five, but like to buy one was like one hundred and twenty bucks or something insane. The like first that. movie I remember, we were at a. Uh, video store i don't remember which one it was they didn't have like big ones back when i was young young that i remember um but i remember we had a video store and dick tracy came out Mm. on vhs and i'm pretty sure it was a two pack vhs do you remember how they would do those like titanic was one too but it came out and it was like 90 bucks it was it was something astronomical and i remember sitting there as a kid thinking man, I could get a Nintendo. Why would I buy that when I could get a Nintendo? That's why we went to the video the store. Five-star video, man. But I remember Ghostbusters like coming out. I, I feel like we might have, that might have been one we bought like after, because it was like one of those ones that was like on sale for $24. That's cool. And so like after, I think it was one of the ones that we owned because I watched it a ton i did too and i so we I we do must remember have watching video. the cartoon slightly not as much as i remember watching like the turtles cartoon but i do remember the real ghostbusters mm-hmm. cartoon and that's probably where i really liked started to get a, a more fond view of slimer mm-hmm. uh was from the cartoon but uh but yeah so i was thinking about that also earlier about how I remember watching this as a kid, but I would have been so young, but really I probably didn't watch it until later later. when it was on TV or when we had it. I think um, I I went to the theater. I I saw this movie in the theater. 
I'm trying to remember great. who I'm trying to remember who I, I would have gone with. I don't know if it was my brother. I feel like my dad might have taken me to it. My dad had a thing where he would take me to movies occasionally on m- movies that he was like real excited to see. Like I remember Top Gun we went and saw that. But um but um but, okay, so I have a I have a deeper question to ask now. So okay. oh, So man. what do you think this movie is about? Right? So there's all of the hammy you know, comic oh stuff that carries itself. But, I think but it's as about I really ghosts, thought about this, I have no idea. <laughs> dude, there's a really kind of deeper underpinning to, to why this movie works and I think why it's so profound. So educate me. I have no I I oh man, what is it really right. about? I think what's it really ghosts? about? I don't know. Well, think about the friendship scene. Yes, absolutely. Right, friendship. But think about the opening scene. Like, what is the conflict that happens? It's, and, and how they introduce it is, I laughed. What's it's, the it's very so opening much... scene? Is it in the library? So after the library, right? So after the library, do you remember what happens after the library scene when they come back to the university? Oh, when they get, like, shut down or whatever? Yeah, so they fired. get kicked out, right? And yeah. it's hilarious. There's this fantastic line. I wish I would have written it down that Dan Aykroyd says something like, like he's like well what are we going to do now like it's like this idea that they can't just study nonsense yeah like it's such a it's such an interesting like mockery of 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 uh of of higher education because it's like we're not like now what what are we going to do now like we 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 won't be supported and funded in like doing nothing for money you know Uh essentially is what he says some line like uh that kind of instigates that right but so there's this notion of of legitimacy Mm-hmm. And this idea, because especially because Bill Murray is the charlatan, right? Like he's the salesman. He's not into well, the science I mean, he's, at ba- all. He's a psychologist, right. right? Which is always kind of the fake, right? That's the right. fake doctor. Right, exactly, <laughs> right? So he is not legitimate, right? Yeah. And, and they're just existing. So legitimacy know, is a theme throughout the movies, right? Even into the new uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Mm-hmm. I think friendship and family could be a theme throughout all the movies too, mm-hmm. especially with Ghostbusters Afterlife. I feel mm-hmm. like that's very blatantly obvious. Yeah. So, so the thing that really struck me is that like Peter is kind of like this big teenager, you know, he's yeah. like this undeveloped boy, okay. you know, who's still mm-hmm. kind of playing out, you know, uh, the teenage whims of of even though he's older like trying to hook up with college girls or whatever he's not legitimate right and then you've Uh got this this science that is kind of hokey or supernatural and they're trying to like kind of quantify and, and deal with this right so you have this journey of illegitimacy in and and then also too like they don't even have competence to like make money they're like well, like well what are we gonna do and i remember being horrified by like well okay well we're gonna start this business or whatever and they like go to the bank and they get like this 19 percent loan and i was yeah. like yeah oh like 19 percent loan <laughs> like what yep. and like i think egon even says something like i've calculated like the interest and that's like ninety thousand dollars a year or something like ridiculous like that of interest payments or whatever so there's this there's this tension of illegitimacy and 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 te- like being kind of an undeveloped man mm-hmm. right and so not being taken seriously uh, running around after girls and there's this journey towards 
gaining legitimacy, right? Because you have all of these like metaphors or motifs or even power structures, like like the EPA. The EPA is going to come shut you down because you don't have the proper permits or, you know, you're making it up or whatever. You know, that guy plays that character so well, too. You know, like the Uh work from the EPA that's like on a power trip or whatever. So you have this journey of this undeveloped teenage boy who becomes enthralled with a woman but you know he he can't be taken seriously by her you know what i mean and then there's also this really interesting like comparison of 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 uh, you know she's an artist and he's a scientist um kind of you know or whatever so it really struck me of of this idea and the movie being about because peter's kind of the main character you know, and, and his travel from kind of a big boy man, uh, to a a man, you know, that becomes the hero, you know, in, in leading this, you know, this group of guys to defeat this demonic, you know, power that's going to destroy the world or whatever. Uh Uh-huh. And so it it really became profound as you kind of look at it through that lens of that journey and then the different kind of flavors that come in the struggle for finances the struggle to make any money and then of course you know it's this interesting timing where gozer's making its return so there's all this paranormal activity happening in the city but i don't know what do you think about that? does it strike you at all or uh, does it seem uh to touch anything for you <clears throat> sure so just uh just this journey of of really growth and and I think purpose, right? Because in the beginning, he, uh, they all kind of seem like, well, I guess more so Venkman doesn't really seem like he has a purpose. And that's obvious when he's doing the, the ESP experiment, um, uh, with the, the boy and, and the man and the woman. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and he's just kind of just, doing it to get this girl to want to do something with them right go out on right or whatever right right and that that escalates into finding um a more serious connection right and i think him and sigourney weaver's relationship is interesting to me because as it as, as it progresses throughout the movie it becomes more legitimate and serious to where he becomes like Venkman is less of a playboy and more of a monogamous, monogamous, serious person towards the end where he wants to have like, it seems like a genuine desire to have a relationship with her. And he's become more legitimate, right? Because when he first meets her, like they're barely, they're not even, they have no they have no success yeah but then she mentions that at one point too right and then when they when he circles back around and he sees her outside of the fountain when she's come out of practice it's like well he's legitimate now like like they're busy and he's doing something and so he's like see like i've grown up like i have value you know i'm doing something i'm i'm solving a problem i'm providing a service i'm i'm more legitimate like i wasn't illegitimate you know, suitor. And now I'm a legitimate suitor. And then of course he saves her, right? Because she becomes possessed and chaotic and he frees her from this possession with the powers that he's developed. You know what I mean? Well, it's a really interesting arc too, because it really strikes me, um, you know, that at that end scene, when they're deciding to cross the streams, which is really interesting, right? Because it's like, they have to do this forbidden thing 
to be successful. And he says to um, Dan Aykroyd, like, or maybe both of them, like, I'll see you on the other side. And so there's this real notion of like, doing this act of sacrifice, and risking everything for the girl or for the greater good, because, you know, they have to, um, you know, defeat the evil demonic gozer that's going to take over the city or whatever, you know, so there's a real transition of selflessness versus this guy that was a charlatan of psychology and, you know, kind of, you know, anchored to these two legitimate scientists as friends, you know what I mean? Uh, and, and the person that's like the salesman of the group, you know what I mean? And I think that that's interesting when we look at our lives, when we feel that we're not enough, right? Which I think is kind of the sense in the beginning for me is, uh, we're not even enough to continue with our grant funding or whatever funding they had with this university. When we're not enough, we tend, and I think that that feeling was present even before they lost mm -hmm. funding. Right. Well, when especially not, for Bill Murray, because he's not legitimate, right? Like he's not serious. Yeah. He's and when just we, this guy, you know, getting by. Yeah. And when we struggle with, with adequacy in our lives, mm -hmm. we tend to reach to find anything to comfort us. Right. And that's where we get into habits or compulsive behaviors or even addictions that cause us more more heartache, right? It continues that cycle in our lives to where we're seeking, seeking, seeking. And so understanding and recognizing that we have value and worth, even, even, you know, when we don't, cause they, they didn't all of a sudden gain value and worth. It was always there. They always had this understanding. They were always striving or the talents, right? Yeah, that allow them to complement, to magnify that. You know, I think understanding that we have that within us mm -hmm. opens up the door to options that are maybe more fulfilling and mm -hmm. create more happiness, even though maybe it's not easier. Like getting the loan, starting your business, having yeah. to put your life at Take risk, responsibility. not easy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. but maybe there's more fulfillment from that. Right. And, and then just need... being this funded group yeah. of, you know, uh, uh, aimless researchers, you know, at some university, you know, and I think I... that's symbolic of all of us, mm -hmm. right? Sure. Even yeah, growing in my up, life. Yeah. Even serious, now taking responsibility times. I think we continue throughout our life to go through these cycles. Mm -hmm. And that's why you see, Ghostbusters 2, Ghostbusters mm -hmm. Afterlife, because we have these cycles. And so maybe the idea is, what can we do to help us remember a little bit more? I think remembering is the hardest thing when we talk about progression and consistency within progression in life. Consistency, mm -hmm. if we maybe substitute progression with growth. Mm -hmm. in life. We all are worth so much. We all have so much to offer, but I think we forget and we fall right back into those right. cycles of well, we can inadequacy. Be yeah. Well, and we can be aimless, right? Like if we, if we're afraid 
um, or we want to just play if we don't want to become serious contenders and seriously valuable to our family or community. Exactly. You know what I mean? We are, you know, we kind of spin. And then I think it's okay to have times like that in our lives. I think there's value in, in, and, and I think, uh, appropriate to have time, you know, where you can, just be not have responsibility because you're going to you know if you're going to mature you're going to have to take on some serious responsibility so along with all of this something else that was really interesting to me was you've got all this supernatural and and supernatural stuff and then science trying to figure out the supernatural but then you'll also have this really interesting moment you know where they're pulled into the mayor's office and, you know, they're describing, you know, how the EPA, you know, really created the problem and there's blame, which I think is a, a funny metaphor that like government really creates more problems than it solves, you know what I mean, in, in its power trippingness, you know, and then they have this cardinal come in where the mayor yeah. is is like you know seeking faith answers in this uh -huh. biblical you know biblical proportion crisis and you know and and the mayor's like turning to the the man of faith and saying well what should you do and he's kind of like well you know make it you know make a decision you know and they they kind of put their faith in science as it were mm -hmm. so it's you know, though it's a questionable science. But then what was really interesting that really struck out to me is when the state puff marshmallow man shows up and what's the first thing he destroys? It's oh, a I church. I don't remember. Is it's it? It's a church. And Bill Murray's <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, you know what I mean? So it's interesting that like science is standing up for faith. You know, in yeah. this really interesting moment where justice is raining down or or evil is is eking well, into the world and it attacks a church. And then these guys that, you know, aren't like faith guys are like, whoa, like this is our town and this is the center of our community. You're not going to destroy that, Mr. <laughs> Stay well, Marshmallow Man. Like, what do you think you are? It's like nobody destroys a church in our town. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's just really interesting, like uh, juxtaposition or contradictions or whatever. Well, if, I, that you I know, really that enjoyed. whole mayor office scene is just really funny. Oh, it's I so love, funny. I love that scene. But it's interesting because <laughs> Mr. Dickless over here. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the actor, um, the the act the epa actor the guy with red hair you mean yeah isn't he the one that has like what's the movie he's in where he's a bad guy and he has a black eye oh oh the last action hero is oh. that what it's called with with arnold schwarzenegger um he plays know. the bad guy i think in that movie he's and all I, the, he's also a bad guy with the kevin uh no uh who's the guy that plays Iceman in top gun Oh, oh, um, the one that got uh, cancer, Val Kilmer. Yeah, Batman. Val Kilmer. Yeah. There's a movie where Val Kilmer and they're like, uh, they're like brilliant, like young uh, guys at college, and he's like this professor or some or administrator at a university. He's a real yeah. jerk, just like he is in Ghostbusters. I can't think of what the remember. name of the movie is, but I know what movie yeah. you're talking about. I, yeah. Um, but even in that scene in the mayor's office, I feel like when they use like the cardinal, what the cardinal says, they use kind of this faith 
base to get yeah. the, the the mayor on their side, right? Absolutely. Yeah, because they they play into that because they're playing like, well, it is biblical. Mm-hmm. It is out of control. And this guy is, you know, the one that initiated that because that became the sign to Gozer that it was time to emerge because, you know, all of this evil was released all at once or whatever. So yeah. there's some really interesting dynamics playing that seem really imp- like deep to consider you know though it's this playful movie and it's nonsensical and and wild but there's some really interesting things being put against one another and it just it really stuck out to me that you've got this science aspect and research and faith interplaying and in almost a really kind of a supportive role or a protective role you know that science because it seems to me that like like bill murray wants to protect faith you know, or it's like this integral part of community or, you know, a place that you fall back on, you know, as you're trying to figure out the answers of the universe or whatever, you know, and I think you can pursue answers of the universe through science and and research, but there's, you know, obviously a place for faith, you know, and so I don't know, I just really, maybe because I'm older and I'm a person of faith, it really just struck me that, that there was this dynamic going on in the movie. Well, I think that Harold Ramis, tends to have more like that's his style of comedy right and you you see it in his movies because i I, if i remember right him and i think dan Aykroyd maybe wrote ghostbusters and then ivan reitman directed it Mm -hmm. um but harold ramus i feel like his storytelling is comedic but it has undertones, right? Of like maybe like really philosophical serious. undertones. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's really philosophical, right? Because too, it's like you know, after they're kind of you know anointed by the mayor with permission to go forth, uh-huh. you know, they face off at the the hotel, and how interesting that they like they like all die, right? Like they all yeah. end up in the street, like right. And so there's this real descending below, you know, falling. And then they've got to climb out of that, you know, and face, you know, the evil or the demonic yeah. presence taking over the universe. I thought it was really interesting. I was like, oh, that's really, you know, well placed that they kind of are, you know, dying um, and kind of fantastically protected by grace, you know, in this anointing from the mayor pseudo cardinal, you know, scene, right? You know, because well, they are they've all been redeemed right i mean they, right. they've, they've exactly. gone from a fallen state of they were you know kind of getting along like we talked about and then they lose all their funding or they get fired and and so they go through this fallen state to a redemption through uh that comes through sacrifice right mm-hmm. the redemption comes through sacrifice of mm-hmm. um and really, gaining life experience by you know uh, gaining technology, creating things that really keep the evils of the world in check, right? I mean, because yeah. they're really keeping evil in check in the community by by ghost busting. You know what I mean? And it's, but I just it's so interesting to me that they're anointed by faith and the mayor. It's just it's like by the power structure of society. You know, sure. they're they're freed from their captive. You know, from being arrested well, I think because of the government nonsense this idea of um, to be redeemed or to be free, we have to uh, be willing to, to change or sacrifice something. And I, I just pose that I think oftentimes we view that change or sacrifice as 
I need to do more or I need to do um, uh, something really difficult or hard, such as uh, quitting my job and starting a business from scratch or or I need to experience some trauma in life that that really has me uh, move in that direction. But I think oftentimes for us, the hard thing that we need to do is learn to to love and accept ourselves for who we are and see our own potential worth. Um, and And I think that is the hardest thing in life to do because we our internal dialogue is not that oh it's and so we have to work so hard against it's, that internal dialogue it's so interesting that that's the state of the average person to take the discouraging difficult experiences of life and turn it into a story that you're not of value you know and that there is this need for personal redemption to 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 discover your innate value but then also you know cultivate capability to be a valuable person for other people you know what i mean to to sacrifice and to be given right because you know bill murray and 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 uh and dan Aykroyd and um and uh egon <clears throat> you know they have these talents and they're valuable and, and, you know, figuring out something and, and providing a service of protection for the city. But then like, you know, they, they're, they're willing to, to face death. Right. And, and really to face this thing. The, the interesting thing about Ghostbusters too, is it's like, it's like insurmountable. It's like, yeah. what do you do with Gozer? Like, what do you do with the a demonic being that has the ability to create an evil foe out of the thoughts of your mind. Like, (laughs) like it's this completely mysterious, like unknown force of destruction. And these three like ragtag guys that have got some capability are going to face off against that against all odds, you know, which is, I mean, it's kind of movie magic or whatever, but it's a really interesting idea of like, like they don't really have it. You know what I mean? I think oftentimes we view success as, a completion or accomplishment, uh, you know, it's visual. For example, Ghostbusters, they have success because they've defeated and uh, this this uh, monster, right, and saved the whole city. And, and, you know, I think that every one of us has negative view of ourselves. That's why those that we look to for success always have a positive affirmation they use or a mantra because those things are fighting. That's their way of fighting, fighting their own negative self view so that they can continue forward. It's really fascinating because like if you do, which I, I, from time to time I do, I'll, I'll watch these montages or pay attention to, to the Vic Novak's or whatever. Like I, it's really interesting. I had a really negative view of him and uh, he's this entrepreneur guy that like, like made money um by like selling stuff on ebay or whatever and uh and it's i've watched a lot of many curses like crazy or whatever but like he's all about like being kind like and helping other people like uh, and helping people like develop the capability of taking responsibility and being prosperous 
and he's really genuine about it and really serious about it. <clears throat> and the way he talks about like his companies and, and employees and all that kind of stuff is really fascinating. And, and so it's like, yeah, when you pay attention to these people that are really successful, there are these drives that they really figure out and really double down on and are really hardcore about. I mean, like individuals that are wildly successful are insanely well, I would like say, driven and obsessive almost in the application of the thing they learn that helps them develop I capability. I would push back on this framework of success and say success is measured in each uh, and every moment sure. that you're able to, uh, to talk back to that negative self yeah. view. Sure. Yeah. And I think that's to not success be defined in life to not be defined by that negative story. Well, yeah, I believe that spiritually. And I believe that mm -hmm. as, as you know, uh, well, well, it's defeating the lie, right? It's defeating the lie that's possessed your soul. Yes. So you're liberating yourself from the lie by embracing the truth. And you, you became, you become affirmed of the truth because as you apply it, you see it work to allow you to surmount the gozers that manifest themselves in your life. Right. Yeah. And so and I think, I think so, that's, yeah. you know, I think that's where, where, and maybe if you get philosophical with this story is, is it's a reminder to us that we have great potential, great worth. And, and the only, only person that's naysaying that is, is us. Mm. And striving well, to there's, fight there's against a few that haters out there for sure, is, yeah. is what's key. Well, those naysayers, they, they become believable or we perceive mm -hmm. what they're saying because of our own negative self-rhetoric. Yeah, there's a, there's and this. so if we can correct that, then it, it doesn't matter. No one else matters besides the, the view we have of ourself, um, you know, in, in, in being able to move forward and deal with those mm -hmm. that may be have a more negative self-view and and of course i mean i'm not trying to give a blanket statement uh, we have well there's our there's, life that matter immensely yeah absolutely there there's there's this quota that in this montage of uh inspirational quotes and it's something i'm not going to get 100 right but something like the enemy without can do um oh what is it the enemy without can do us no no what it's oh, I'm, I'm messing it up the, if there's no enemy within the enemy without can do us no harm yeah right i think that's a great quote and i think it what it means is uh, you can be the hero not by saving the world or not by having a super successful business you can be the hero by really seeing your own divine worth Absolutely. And, and I think that and that's overcoming the story, overcoming the internalized lie of the traumas of your life, you know, whether well, that's inflicted by family, in, whether that's inflicted in peer groups. Yeah. And and because doing, we become hurt by that. Mm -hmm. Right. And so being able to, to discover um, the lie in those stories that we internalize of not having value of being stupid, of being incapable of being ugly, um, you know, annoying or whatever it is you know discovering the value and acting that out to confront and that's hard it's gosh it's so hard right it's really hard to because the because the the voice does seem to possess us 
Sure. You know, that narrative really, you know, can really, and it hurts so much and it's so terrifying to confront. Well, and anyone who says they don't have that is, is just, you know, they're in second, (laughs) secondary emotion land. They're not able Mm -hmm. to, to even notice or recognize it because it's too painful. And so what I encourage oftentimes, when we talk about like a hero's journey, that, that journey or that process is learning to recognize what that, that rhetoric is saying, Mm -hmm. As we learn to recognize, then we're able to do something about it. Yeah, to confirm and it, I, go for it. I think that's what's so empowering to me about all of these movies. It's fun to see someone save everyone and become this obvious, uh, noticeable hero. But I, I really see that each and every person that I meet with and, and in my own life, we're heroes as we strive. Well, and we're on this journey. We're on that journey and grow and love yeah. ourselves more. So I was always perplexed and still a bit M. So this is a totally open-ended. I don't really have an answer for this question of this, these metaphors of Zagorny Weaver being the gatekeeper and Lewis um, or uh, uh, who's the actor again that plays Lewis? Um, is the key yeah. master. Um, Rick, yeah, Rick Moranis. Moranis. Any ideas of like, because do they do they unlock? I mean, they're they the evil breaks out of the statue. It comes alive. It possesses them, and then I mean, it seems like them connecting, which happens off camera, but is you know is is uh you know portrayed like that their connection opens the doorway to evil. Um, I don't know. Any, is there anything that stands out to you about what that's about? Cause it was, I, I, I remember know. thinking about it as a kid and being like, key master gatekeeper. Like what is what? Like, like there's something relevant about that. Right. Yeah, cause, the, cause like, cause the powers of evil aren't released until they connect yeah and then they're the sentience you know like they're the you know she comes out and she like pets them and like like they're the sentience or like her minions of destruction right i don't know is there anything that jumps out at you at like what the message is about either unlocking the chaos you know that like the gatekeeper and the key master connecting in some way opens kiss. I mean, maybe it's, you know, a, just an overly basic metaphor of, of, of a man and a woman coming together and that that can release chaos into the world. I mean, having children and starting a family and, you know, it yeah, can I open up know. a whole can of worms. I mean, it really does. Well, I guess you could say it, it unlocks. I mean, if you take it down the family, you know, that like a man and woman coming together, having children and starting a family, like it, it, it opens chaos into the world. I mean, there's nothing chaotic, more chaotic than having children. You know what I mean? And trying to manage and 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 to connect together to civilize, you know, these uncivilized, you know, balls of mass that take on personality. Yeah, I don't you know. know if maybe I've it's ever... just bringing that into the world, like you know, because you you have to have both parts to start to have a kid, you know, and and maybe it's just that a metaphor of of when 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 those come together, they will release these chaotic forces into the universe, you know. 
Yeah, I've never really thought much about it besides, I've never thought about it being a man and a woman necessarily. I mean, it always has been, you know, I, I just thought it as, oh, you need a gatekeeper and then someone with a key to open the gate so that the evil could be released. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think I've ever thought that much like, but it, deeper but than it that. But it suggested <laughs> that they had sex to open that up, right? Like that the gate I, yeah, wasn't open. I don't open. know that I'd ever even thought about it <laughs> that deeply. <Yeah. laughs> um, but yeah, I could see how if that is kind of the message that, yeah, creating family. But I think more so it's another opportunity for growth that's created. So chaos really isn't a negative thing. It's just no, an no. opportunity, well, right? That's just it. And that's then the, it's, it's, that's what it's survivable, love. right? And I think that's what what the Ghostbusters show is that, hey, even mm-hmm. though there's this change in this new trial in life, it's survivable and and you can move through it and and be able to with, come out with on top. friendship with yeah. brotherhood with because they with survive support. right they yeah. they break them out of their their uh cocoons mm-hmm. <laughs> their statues well, and i i love i love the eastern philosophy which i know almost nothing about but i love the idea you know like we were actually talking about this earlier you know that with religion or the western view of like law and sin and justice and and all of that you know a metaphor of of let's say god but the idea that the, that instead of it being like evil and good, which I, I believe there is evil and good in the universe, but but instead looking at it with order and chaos and that growth in life is working from a place of some semblance of order and wandering into an area that is chaotic and creating order or understanding, right? Because I mean, that's the, that's kind of the opening of the whole movie or what these guys are fascinated about. They're fascinated by these supernatural unknown mysteries that are outside the norm. And they're investigating those things. They're right. They're trying to cultivate Mm -hmm. a science. They're trying to quantify it and, and theorize about it and give an answer to it. Right. And so there is this unknowingness that they are confronting and developing knowingness. I mean, right. Like they, they invent the, the, the proton packs that become the thing that can catch the supernatural. And then they put it in this box, you know what I mean? They kind of contain it well, or, think... or, or put a boundary around it. So it's not wreaking havoc. Sure in people's houses and in hotels, right? I mean, that's really interesting. I think from that perspective, it's interesting to me also that, so if we see the chaos having the gatekeeper and the key master come together, releasing the, the well, the real chaos, right? And, and I think the interesting thing is, is that this happens at the end of the story. So, so what has happened is that the chaos becomes manageable as the the characters right have started to view and see their own potential and worth Mm -hmm. as they've come to accept themselves for who they are and what they have to offer and collaborate able to manage that Mm -hmm. chaos and they're able to manage it in a way that allows progression and growth for others Mm -hmm. and i think that's a really interesting concept I think uh, at at some level, each of us desires to be supportive and helpful. That that creates connection for us in life. And but purpose it's, and it's meaning. this idea, yeah, purpose and meaning. It's this idea 
that really the best way to do that is to first focus on ourselves. And that's a hard notion sometimes because we view that as selfishness. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if, if that's more so self. Well, I think it's about where it's, it what, is selfishness. Well, I, it depends where it's directed, right? Because Bill Murray, I would say at the beginning of the movie, is incredibly self-indulgent and selfish. You know what I mean? So I think it's about where that's directed. But he's not, so he's, he's not taking care of his self-worth right. and his no, totally view, agree. right? Yeah, it's, totally agree. It's, it's no, that's selfishness, what, that's my, not self-care. Right, which is my notion of like, what are you? what direction is it going? Is it just... Mm-hmm in an unadulterated fulfillment of natural desire or yeah. is it or is it directed toward some sense of growth some sense of understanding yourself and understanding the place you have in the world and uh right because i think that that's the thing that's so essential that when i see people that are so distressed very often there's a high correlation not always but a higher correlation of unknownness or purposelessness in some aspect of their life, that they're not taking responsibility towards growth. They're not being, you know, useful or cultivating usefulness for their, their family or loved ones or the world that they live in, you know, and I'm all for having fun and being spontaneous. Well, I think that's oftentimes because they're self-medicating right or avoiding or what's going on mm-hmm. and so looking inward and healing oneself so that you can love yourself again is I, the key to which you begin that path to being able to yeah. contribute to others yeah but yeah, i yeah. think you can't do that unless you first heal yourself right i also well i think a part, yeah i think a part of that is healing yourself but i think you also have to go into discovery i think that that's one of the reasons why i love you know, going and doing random things with random people and going and finding out what's in the world, right? Because to me, it's like, you can't find your meaning and purpose, like you can't get on the road to progression in your life. If you haven't gone into the world and discovered it, and seen what's out there, it's like, as you go into the world and learn about what's out there, then you become interested in Cause like, if I don't know a thing exists, but my purpose is to be engaged in making it better. Like, how can I find that if I'm stuck in my basement playing video games? Like if I, if I'm not out in the world being exposed to what are the problems out there? Like, what are the fun, enjoyable things out there that are amazing? Like what mountains can I, can I climb and look from what oceans can I visit and swim in? What, what forests can I discover and the people that live there? And then as you go and discover, you're like, oh, this is the place I have in the world. This is the thing that I care about. This is the thing that the world needs that doesn't, it doesn't know. But if you don't get out into discovery and, and, and aren't given the space to do that, which to me is like, you know, the college years, you know, the post high school years like that that five years is like go out into the world like go get into trouble and go see what's out there and then as you go discover you're like oh this is something that you stumble onto that then is this place that you're like oh i'm learning something about myself and seeing some aspect of myself in this in this forest or whatever and so i think that i wonder if that's something that's being lost is this well i don't know if it's being lost but 
you know, with the overprotectiveness of parents, you know, they're not allowing their kids the opportunity for discovery. So once again, if we're going to talk about parents, my ability to parent my child is going to be diminished if I'm not focusing on my own spiritual, physical, and emotional health. Right. And so we if might I view feel that incapable. as selfish, right? right? Yeah, exactly. If we feel incapable, we feel inadequate. And we I become like that the as tyrannical as a the parent. Over, right. Cause we become the tyrannical overprotecting, you yeah. know, parent that has to, to keep exactly innocence safe in the world. And it's like, which is really hard because we carry a lot of shame, right? We carry mm -hmm. a lot of guilt as parents because we care and we view what we do uh, ultimately as being the cause of the agency and choice of our children. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a gray area and a fine line that can get us into a lot of shame. But right. I, think, I think you're absolutely right. Discovery, I think, comes as we are more physically, spiritually, and emotionally grounded and, and balanced in our life. And given opportunity. And, and, and having up. courage and having mm -hmm. courage courage to mm -hmm. go out to discover right sure. which is definitely a problem you know even in our faith that when we become overly concerned about our kids wandering it's like no we gotta let them discover it's like you know it's instead of this idea that they can never make mistakes or you can never mess up you know you can never get a b you know you have to get a's and it's like no like you gotta let them discover you gotta let them go out into the world Without so in, you, in you order know? to be vulnerable enough to allow that ha to happen, right? We have to start with ourselves mm -hmm. because we're not, as a parent, we're not going to be able to do it. Otherwise, we're going to try to do it and then we're going to self medicate with something else to handle the stress of allowing that mm -hmm. thing to happen because it's going like to drive us binge nuts. watching TV shows. Well, I mean, that's, that's okay. <laughs> I don't mind that one. <laughs> that one's totally fine. Binging ice I cream. Oh, I wish I could totally binge fine. watch go shows all day and all night, but we can't, right? <laughs> I, I like it. I like it, but I don't, I can't, I can't, I have to go. Like I went and played soccer this morning with some friends, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, like I, I have to go do fun things. Like We're I doing have to the move. Marvel Cinematic Universe, watching it in timeline order on Dude. Disney Plus. And oh man, I, sometimes I feel like I used to sit all day and just watch movies. Dude, give me popcorn. <laughs> I, I totally, I can't sit all day, but I absolutely can enjoy it. Especially like if, well, I definitely would enjoy it if we were hanging out doing it. Like if I was going to hang out with you, like I, if we were going to sit and do that, I would definitely. Yeah, it would be a lot fun. of fun. It would totally be a lot more I, fun. Uh, I have a habit of, of building Lego. So I'll, I'll build Lego. Oh, you do like I'm both watching. at the same time? Yeah. <clears throat> That's fun. I love it. Okay. So I wanted to ask you also though, so Ghostbuster Afterlife, you like oh. Ghostbusters after our Ghostbuster Afterlife quite a bit. I really I will say, liked it. I will I say really I liked it. I liked it. I thought it was good. I liked the meaning of it. I mean, I feel like it was kind of like a rehash of Ghostbusters. Sure. I don't feel like it was really much different. It wasn't like a but new I story. Like, it's like setting up I hope they do more, right? For me, it's like setting up and it's like, okay, we have this story still in in here. We still have this, this uh, Gozer's still alive, right? We still have this go kind of around and they're dealing with this in the story. And so it builds up to where I feel like they could do more movies and it'd be really interesting True. to see more storyline. So I liked that. Um, I liked a lot of things about it. I thought it was fun. I don't think I like it more than Ghostbusters. No, I, really I like, saw it as, a, I saw it as an appendage. I yeah, saw it as, I, I saw it as, that. 
I I thought it was loyal. Like like I didn't really enjoy the other Ghostbuster movie with the female on cast. I I thought um, that after. Oh, what is that one called? It starts uh, yeah. with an A. Also, it just seemed purposeless and 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 empty and and thin. It felt it didn't feel like it had like this. Like we're talking about Ghostbusters. Like this has meat to it. I I didn't feel like that story had meat to it. So, Though I thought Hemingsworth was freaking hilarious. I, I thought I was, like all the actors actresses. No, there I like it. those actresses. I just I just so, felt like the story was 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 hollow. Afterlife like has a definitely a whole nother. Um, like there's meaning to yes. this story. Yeah, I mean, you've right? got Which, these kids like figuring out who they are, right? What like, did you got these... like about it? That's kind of what I'm curious because yeah. because I can just knowing you, I can definitely see. And part of what I loved about the movie was this story of family and mm -hmm. how it comes to a crescendo towards the end. Yeah, and really, just as bonding and and really healing right yeah like yeah because there's this notion of abandonment there's this notion of craziness you know there's this notion of illegitimacy and i i love that like the girl connected you know with fan was it because it was her grandpa right like egon was her grandpa, yes right? yeah her grandpa. and so i just i love the idea i guess you know my grandparents have had a, a really big role in me figuring things out in my life, you know, where I mm -hmm. felt like my parents were a little misdirected and struggling. And my, my grandparents were holdovers, you know, from a, from a generation that took responsibility and had order and, you know, classic kind of, you know, conservative values. And I think I discovered those. And so I think, yeah, the, her connecting with her grandpa was and that cool. awakening some part of her um, and, and finding that in the world and the daughter being able to, he, you know, the daughter being able to heal and understanding that her dad was, you know, trying to protect the world or, you know, was protecting the world by keeping evil at bay after he left and that that starts to erode, but then they're drawn to this place. And I just, I just like, it. I think it was just a, I like that it was a coming of age story for a bunch of these different character types. Yeah. The thing I, that was I'm really, hopeful to see what happens with it. Yeah. Right? I, I really liked the the characters they have in this one and, yeah. and how they kind of pay homage still to. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I think also too, because I knew of this, of this story about Bill Murray and uh ramus yeah. falling out it just felt like they oh, were especially towards sorry. the end right dude it's yeah. gonna make me cry just think about it now like it was just it was just a beautiful scene i think i think that that idea too i think i think the thing that really struck me as they were activating whatever the gate protective force thing was at the house and the old Ghostbuster showing up. Yeah, the huge trap. Yeah, the huge trap. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I just I think the idea of them being helped by those on the other side. Yeah. And so whether you're a, a believer that people live after death or it's the voices of those remain. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was really well done. I just I like I him couldn't showing imagine. up at yeah. that moment and helping and him being seen as this ghost and 
knowing the backstory of that must Bill have been Murray. a hard scene for Bill Murray. Like I felt like as soon as that like you had Harold Ramis come in ghost form, right? So Egon's there in ghost form. I, and kind of what they were saying and the meaning implied, I just automatically thought of them as like I people, did not as yeah. actors, right? But Absolutely. as people and kind of this is Bill Murray's way of saying, Hey, I, sorry. You know, I love you. Yeah. Right. And I, you know, I miss you. And I thought, wow, that's really like that was really cool to me. And and Egon looked great. Like, yeah, what, what we can do now with so cool. <laughs> computer gravity is so amazing. Yeah. I mean, it makes me think of Luke, but anyways. And <laughs> so because, and story. because <laughs> I love this movie so much and watched it so much and it was such a fun movie, it just, it like, it just gave homage to the nostalgia and it honored yeah. the story. The thing that pisses me off about the movie though, I just can't believe that they didn't play the theme song or or retro so, the theme song in the movie. Like when they busted I, the car out of the jail, sure. why did they not go dun dun? dun? I'm like, why did you know. save it for the end credits or do like a upgrade? Like redo, like I love I the know. upgrade redo of yeah. the Mission Impossible song and Mission Impossible 2. Or I love one of my favorite things about the Mission Impossible movies is that in every one of the movies, they've redone the theme song in a really yeah. different, like pop cool way. Like I love it. I just think it's so cool because it ties it back to the original. I don't... And and they didn't do that. And I'm like, why would you not do that? Like that was so uncreative to not I don't know why give everybody that moment. Cause that's like the thing, like that like even still i mean the fact that that song like hit the charts like as a completely original movie song that's ridiculous but it like hit the charts in the 80s you know what i mean yeah and the fact that they wouldn't involve that in this in this movie it was like i think it was a missed opportunity you know what i mean yeah i don't know why they didn't uh have that play until the end credits i think when they're on the so bridge or something but yes but um I did love the music. Did you notice yeah. how it was all kind of like throwback to Ghostbusters? Yeah, music? yeah, like yeah, they, yeah, yeah. And they could have easily have done that also, but I wonder yeah. if they wanted to keep it in original form. Maybe. I don't know why they had it at the end, but I did love the music in Afterlife. I did. I thought yeah. it was oh yeah. wonderful, but I thought yeah, all I'm not that. sure I why they didn't have that cool. theme song yeah. earlier. I, well, and what's his bucket? The Ant Man actor. Oh my gosh, he was so freaking funny, man. He was well, so he's good. good. He's good in everything, and and that he's goes so all the way back to I think the first movie I remember him in is Clueless, and just loving he's him. So Paul Rudd, I think. Yeah, Paul Rudd. Rudd. He is so. But I kind of, you know, now as you mentioned the music thing, I wonder if that was also kind of symbolic, right? Of, of, well, they're not actually Ghostbusters because the everyone mm, was divided, maybe. everyone was separated, and it wasn't until they came together at the very end that they were Ghostbusters. And it's interesting that that's when the theme music plays. Well, it's after at credits. The end. Oh yeah. well, in the after it's credits, when they're driving like on the bridge where it's yeah it's after all this has happened right and that's, that's the true. next maybe, time you maybe see the that's, car that's again. fair i mean i guess if that if that's what if that's why they did it because they hadn't evolved to that state yet i i could get behind that i guess and and the after credit scenes with bill murray and zagorny were, were freaking hilarious oh yeah when he's or she's i think testing him right she's testing him <laughs> with the the whatever those cards are called yeah, because it was know. a total like yeah it was a total flip of that of that opening moment and it was so, just, oh, so good 
I just, uh, one last thing, I don't know if you have anything else you want to mention, but one last thing, you know, I think one of the unsung heroes, one that you don't really hear talked about a lot, but who has always been one of my favorites. I really like him probably second to Venkman as Ghostbusters is Winston. He, you don't, you know, we don't, I feel like you don't really hear him mentioned a lot, but I feel like you don't have the Ghostbusters unless oh, yeah. you have Winston. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. just, I love his, he's got the down to earth. I will do whatever I need to do. I'm a For hard a worker. <laughs> yep. And I love I his do you subtle, believe in ghosts? Yeah. Does his subtle comedy, right. His subtle, the way, like, he's just so, I feel like charismatic and yet mm-hmm. so like, I don't know if low level is the right word, but he's like so subtle when mm-hmm. he's, when he, as his character in Ghostbusters. And I think, I think he's the perfect to wrap up the ensemble for Ghostbusters. I feel like if they didn't add him, it wouldn't it have worked as well. Yeah. I just don't yeah. feel like it would have. And so I've always loved Winston um, and he just doesn't have a ton, but the scenes that he's in are fantastic. In Ghostbusters are awesome. So I just want yeah. to shout out to Winston. He's always Absolutely. been my second. Um, Venkman, I just have always loved, I think because of him getting slimed and then he's just funny. But then uh, Winston has always been my second. The, the, the other thing I noticed though, did you notice how much they smoke? They're the original, all of them, yeah, are constantly smoking. <laughs> so I was like, my goodness, how, it's hard to remember. It's changed. It's yeah. so interesting how back then movies, is... cigarettes, and now you don't even. I mean, no. rarely do you see that. No, it's yeah, so. It's, if it is, it's usually drugs. It's like pot or something yeah. Like that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a really it's a really interesting cultural shift that movies don't glorify that or do that at all anymore. That it like doesn't work. But no, I I think and I think that that's one of the reasons why I really love this this movie was because of the interplay of that group of friends. You know that yeah. that they and they do. Um, they are like metaphors for such different personality types. You know what I mean? Well, I love Winston, at least that we know, isn't a doctor, right? He right. never references himself as doctor. Yeah. He's like another set of hands. And I, that... I have always loved that as a kid and as an adult, that, hey, you can regular just guy. be a person and still be a hero. And that really magnifies and and exemplifies for me this idea that the hero's journey really isn't about this glorious thing. This glorious thing is uh, our, this glorious us personality. overcoming yeah. our own inner demons each and every mm-hmm. day. And yeah. that's the hero's journey to me. And I, I think for me, that's, a, you know, I most relate to uh, Winston because I'm not a doctor of anything. I don't consider myself an expert in anything. <laughs> well, uh, maybe in toys, but yeah, no, in Star dude. Wars. We absolutely are super... relationship experts, dude. You can't do as much as like as much. We've had. I mean, you have thousands. I mean, I don't know how many more years I'm ahead of you, but we absolutely are <laughs> experts. You can't spend. I mean, come on, man. We spend seven hours, six to nine hours a day talking. And listening sure. and waiting into emotions. We, I mean, we've heard so many stories. We hear things that people don't say to anyone else ever in their life. 
Yeah, you know 15 I mean? like years. We, we, I've been doing we, therapy for 15 plus years, and yeah. I still don't think I'm an expert, but I still get surprised. And maybe well, that's why. <laughs> I would say expert compared to the average person that hasn't spent that's 15 true. years worth of hours, 20 to 30 hours a week engaging emotional experiences and relationships and helping uh, support people in being a hero in their own journey, discovering their value and taking on and challenging and, and, and engaging in the develop of competence so that they can overcome the lie that they don't matter and, and supporting them with love and encouragement and, and, without judgment and, and all of those things, like, you know, let's not, you know, um, diminish that. And you're good at yeah. it too. Like you're good at it. Like you're a good well, therapist. Thanks, John. <laughs> you are good. You're a very talented, you're a very talented clinician also, Mike. So it's like, I mean, we all know lots of therapists and, you know. Well, thanks. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah. So don't undersell. But the Ghostbusters, dude. It's a fun one. I'd encourage you to watch it if you haven't. It, it's one that could def, it's another one that could be on your yearly list, right? It's another one that just doesn't. Well, and it's one old. that you absolutely should introduce to your kids. Yeah. You know and you can watch, watch it any time of year. We were kind of thinking of yeah. saving it for Halloween, but then we just did it. And it's like, eh, you, it's one you could do any time of the year. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's a fun one. Yeah, dude. All right. Good Adios, times. amigos. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us.